why, oh why, did I have to bring up Cats? That movie drove me... Oh, hello and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today I have from KickingTheSeat.com, Ian Simmons on, and I had to bring up Cats to Ian, and then he said, oh, we should see that. And I said, fuck, yeah, we do. <laughs> and here we are talking about Tom Hooper's weird sex fantasy film, Cats, and it's incredible CGI. Um, I remember when they were showing this movie, they were showing Rise of Skywalker and then Cats <laughs> on the same day. And both are visually rough for the senses because Rise of Skywalker, J.J. Abrams just has an orgasm with the strobe lights in it. Like whenever mm -hmm. they're on, uh, what was it? Like Exxon Mobile Ex or <laughs> yeah, whatever the fuck it was called. It's, it's Exegol, but yeah. I feel like, I feel like you can extrapolate Exxon Mobile from that. It's somehow perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, just a straw. And it was like, you know, it was like at, at noon and the day before I was at a holiday party for my other job uh luckily i stayed sober for it but i was just tired and and then they're like you want to see cat sex and i'm like uh no <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> you know you, you might have done well to do it because i think uh you know the best way mm -hmm. to see cats at least for the first time is in some sort of a, a not quite with it experience i yeah. i saw it uh on my wedding or my dating anniversary with my wife, we still celebrate <laughs> that by uh, it's in December and it is uh, our tradition is we try and find the worst movie playing at a movie theater and go see it. Uh. Now we went to, I think it was like a nine or a nine thirty PM show. And this is a two hour movie essentially. Um, and so we were both like out of it cause we've been up since, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning and you know, it was cats. Uh, but I uh, I had a euphoric experience. I legitimately loved this movie when I first saw it. And I watched it again for this discussion, not straight, um, which is to say I, didn't, I, I wasn't uh, drinking or doing drugs, but mm -hmm. I watched it with Tom Hooper's audio commentary from the Blu-ray. Yes, I bought the Blu-ray, which comes with a DVD and a digital copy. So I am covered. I'm never losing this movie. But <laughs> watching it and listening to him talk about it made it uh, opened it up uh, to an entirely another level i am so happy to talk to you about this because you hated this movie i can tell and most people did so this is going to be fun so you're the one guy on earth who liked it that's not true sir um <laughs> this this has on imdb it's got a 2.7 stars out of 34,874 <laughs> ranking uh and on the tomato meter it's got a 20% critics rating, 53% audience score, which means that I am in league with, you know, much like our presidential politics, there's at least half the country who appreciate this movie. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I, so we I are, kept we're thinking, talking about the Donald Trump of, of movies, I guess. That <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's so weird. When I was watching this, I'm like, this is the long-term effects of coronavirus. <laughs> like, people are just going to turn into, like, these human cap freak hybrids like you know for those that like survive it it's like if you have coronavirus and they're like you know it has lasting effects it's like what's that gonna be it's like well here's a post-apocalypse and then you just watch cats 
Well, I mean, the movie takes place in the 30s, so it's got to be like an alternate dimension portal <laughs> opening up. Uh, but no, I think there's something to be said there for coronavirus to- crossed with toxoplasmosis, which is the infection you get from inhaling too much particles from cat shit. Thank you, train spotting. <laughs> um, I, or- think, I think you're onto something. Or you could be cheesing by sniffing cat piss from uh, South Park. Uh, I, I didn't see that episode, but uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of coming down to my basement because uh, I'm pretty sure our cat's been leaving, uh, leaving treasures for me to find. Oh, I thought you said you were going down in your basement to smell cat shit. <laughs> no, I can do that from anywhere in the house. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it smells bad. My sister has a cat, and it's like, I, I don't like the species. I don't. I I uh I don't like the movie. Uh you know, one day my cat ran away or my sister's cat ran away from the house and she was like crying. She's like, "Where is she?" And I'm like, "Obviously she doesn't want to be here." Um but yeah, just this doesn't and then, and then they have a whole closing song about how much they're not like dogs. It's like, yeah, because you're smug and dogs actually love you. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's a whole other argument. Uh, <laughs> cats, cats versus dogs, which is also another movie, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, you don't like the, the species and you don't like the feces. So yeah. we've established that. That's good. It's a good starting point. We got to know where we stand in this discussion before we get into it. Who likes feces? Um, look there is an entire uh subdivision of the dark web i'm sure where you can find videos devoted to uh people talking about their love of feces well there's there's my rate my there's ratemypoo.com i know where people take pictures of their (laughs) shit and then like rate it and then there's two girls one cup yeah oh yeah that that's a party movie Um, yeah but no i i'm just glad that you that that you uh said rate my cup twice because at first i thought you said a very different word than rate no uh, i no, i rate, wanted rate to yeah yeah how would you okay um this this video this video is automatically labeled not for children uh <laughs> thank god my sister's kids aren't it although they can't understand what i'm saying so yeah uh, you might think that's the case but uh yeah They'll the repeat kids are very it. perceptive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But, no, I mean, yes, the visuals are, as we know, horrifying. Uh, most of the musical numbers are just kind of pointless. Like, every time they introduced a new character, they had to sing about that character for, like, 10 minutes. And I don't know what it did to progress the plot. Uh, there's only one really great song, which is Memories. I think when Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote Cats, he had that one fantastic number, and then he had to just, like, fill it with a bunch of other stuff. So he just got really high and wrote Cats. (laughs) And it was the 80s, so it was the age of excess, so everybody loved this film. And, I mean, not this film, this the play, and it took off. And then... I don't know. I guess it kept going for years. Spielberg originally wanted to do a version uh, way back and it was going to be an animated version. And I'm like, mm. yeah, that would have worked way better. Like even, even people in just regular ass cat costumes would have worked better, but an animated version would have been ideal. This fucked up CGI hybrid is like, uh, I don't know why they do that, but I, I am fascinated to hear why you liked it. 
uh, I'm fascinated to hear that. I, I'm surprised Toby Hooper even did an audio commentary. Tom, Tom Hooper. Tom <laughs> Hooper. Not Toby Hooper. Not the Texas Chainsaw guy. That would have been, that uh, yeah. been remarkable for two reasons. <laughs> yeah. uh, one that he's, you know, not with us anymore. But uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just for anyone who didn't catch the why that would have been fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's start off with the uh, with the visuals. I, I disagree. I think um, while not perfect, and the, Cats has sort of a troubling uh, history with the with the visual presentation. Um, I notoriously, I think it was a week after it opened, they announced. I think it was was a Paramount uh, announced that they were going to re-release the movie in theaters with updated digital effects yeah um this does not uh, this might <laughs> involve what's known as the butthole cut i don't know if you're familiar yes, with this. yes i do uh yes or as, as i like to call it the episiotomy edition um <laughs> but uh, there was initially you saw the cat's buttholes when they would bend over or clean themselves or whatever and so i guess they took that out but uh, that was like I'm a talking- lot of time to do that late into the stage but, right, but yeah. but they also um, now I had only seen my recollection of this is a bit hazy because I think yeah. I'd only seen one trailer for Cats uh, before it came out mm. before they updated the effects. And I also remember thinking that the cats looked really wonky and the the effects just almost looked a bit a little bit floaty, like you could tell it was digital effects on top of someone's face, like uh, you might see in the Asylum. Uh, but when I saw the version of cats that was out in the theaters in late december this was i think it was the weekend that they put out the new version just by coincidence mm-hmm. and i gotta say i even though some of the effects are dodgy but only in the way that they're dodgy in like every movie even like the avengers you're gonna see some shots you're like and eh, that that's fully cgi body is a little bit strange it'll look better in 20 years or, well the effects will get better in 20 years yeah. um, but as far as what they did with the grafting of the people with the cat effects i don't have any problem with it aside from the fact that it is aesthetically weird and kind of off-putting but that's the aesthetic of the movie so as far as the quality of it i can't knock it because i think that hooper set out what he wanted to you know doing what he wanted to do and I'm not sure if that was a mandate from the studio or if that was in his vision, um, because you could just adapt the cat stage play by having people in cat costumes, you know, work, you know, bouncing around the screen. I don't know if that's enough of a draw to get modern audiences who are so used to special effects and CGI, you know, digital effects you know, into the, into the seats. Now it turns out this version didn't get them into the seats either, but I can understand the studio's calculation. Um, as far as a, a fully animated version, I think that'd be cool. I think a 2D animated version would have been really, you know, neat to see, but you know, we're not going to get that, especially not now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note that the effects team that worked on this also worked on um, at least the the digital locations. I'm not sure about the animators, but Hooper mentioned that it's the same crew who did the effects for the live, you know, the quote unquote live action Lion King and Jungle Book working with Favreau before this. Um, so, I mean, as far as the quality of the animation, uh, I can't knock it. And there were a lot of like physical sets and things that they, you know, built for the scale mixed in with the, with, you know, kind of digital blending. So yeah, that's not a critique that, you know, I certainly had with the movie. Uh, 
it was going to be 2D animated. Um, and I actually, I do see a little bit of the point of like, that is kind of fascinating when I remember before they even showed the trailer that got an incredible amount of downvotes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had this behind the scenes sort of making of video of it. They didn't show any footage from the movie, but you saw the actors on set and you saw, you know, these big elaborate, incredible looking sets. And you're like, what the hell is this? But then the trailer came out and I saw just this horrifying display of madness. And it is so bizarre that I guess the studio could say, yeah, maybe audiences would be really interested to see what that looks like. But once you kind of get over the, ew, that looks weird, I don't, uh, people wouldn't really be appealed to seeing it. And the problem was it was so distracting. It pulled me out of the movie almost completely. I couldn't get over it. Um, and even when I got used to the look, uh, it, I, I, I just, most of the music I just don't think works today. Again, this is, this came out in the 80s. The 80s was a celebration of excess. And this movie's all about excess. You know, it's about a bunch of, I guess the movie's about rebirth in a way because they say the word, uh, what is it? Celestial, Jelliger. I should remember it because they hammered <laughs> the, the, it. Into- Jellical, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they hammered it into your head because they say it, I think. Oh, here it is. Yeah, they said it 128 times throughout the film, not including the closing credits. And I guess if you become talented enough and a big, big enough singer, you get taken out of cat limbo and you're brought back into the world and you're given a second chance at life uh and it's really sort of a darwinism theory as who's the who who has who's the most talented uh maybe not quite darwinism but but kind of reflective of the industry of you know who who has the best voice who has the best looks this that and the other of course uh we we think we're gonna go with uh the protagonist of the film but in the end they went with jennifer hudson uh who's sort of the most sympathetic figure of the movie. Uh, it's just, I don't know why the, the uh, and this is probably a critique on the play. As, as a play, I could see how it would work if it was about a cat who has the best musical number and you're doing it on a stage. But in a movie, I just didn't care. I, I didn't care about any of it. I didn't remember who most of the characters were. I, I you know, even though they sang about some character for a multitude of minutes, like they had a one magician cat mm-hmm. and they kept singing the same verse about him again and again and again and again. And I, oh God, I what? wanted them to shut the hell up. What the hell was his name? Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. If they said, Mr. Mistopheles, do your magic one more time, I was going to fucking slam the TV with a baseball bat. (laughs) I I got to stop here, though. Do you like musicals? Do you watch a lot of them? I'm open-minded to them. I I do like some of them. I like Sound and Music. You know, I like West Side Story. Uh, Mm. I like a lot of the classic musicals. Um, But this one was not a good one. Well, I'm just uh, your critique of, you know, talking about uh, 
the the parade of characters and each of them getting a song and then yeah. kind of repeating these verses over again that that pops up in musicals that's that's not unique to cats um and it's so not catchy I, well i mean but that's that's yeah. that's that's your point of view is what i'm saying i mean yeah. whether or not it's catchy i mean there's this was a phenomenon for the last 40 years um yep. so there is something to be said for you know it's endurance and you know it's it's you know, known beyond memories. And there's a lot of people who like and respect cats, uh, you know, as, as a piece of art. So, I mean, again, that's sort of a subjective critique. Um, and which is, which is fine because that's what we kind of all bring to the movies. Uh, I'm just trying to encounter this on as fair and a level of playing a field, you know, as possible. Um, I didn't like the songs. That's fine. There are other people who do, and you're not liking the songs is going to be a barrier to entry, but specific, like the songs all serve the purpose. And I think based on what your assessment of why the songs were in the movie, you may have missed the point of the film. And that's not a knock on you. Um, I certainly, I thought I got it while I was watching it. I actually went out immediately after seeing Cats because Barnes and Noble was right across the mall from where I saw it. And I picked up uh, T.S. Eliot's um, book that this was based on because i didn't even know it was a mm. book i thought it was just a play but it's an old <laughs> book called old possum's book of practical cats hmm. and it's essentially a children's book um with some great il- illustrations and i read it and the point of all of the musical numbers it's not the cats that are the most talented it is the cats that are the most uh worthy of this shot of redemption so it's essentially mm. you know every year however often this ritual takes place um there is a a cat that comes down from on high uh, in this case it's played by uh, by dame judy dench to essentially evaluate this cat population and whoever is the most worthy of a second chance of being able to come back and relive their life and hopefully you know get that opportunity to go back you know like if i could do it all over again mm-hmm. offering them that chance what the musical numbers do is they set up each of these cats. It's sort of like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. You know, each of these kids wants the big prize, but each of the musical numbers that are tied to these characters exposes why they think they're worthy of it and why they're really not. It's a critique of their characters. You're talking about the excess and the bodiness of the music. That's sort of the point. It's because all of these characters leading up to the final ones who are actually having the shot of getting this redemption, they're all kind of despicable characters. You know, you've got um, the, the, the twin mice or the mm-hmm. twin cats who are the thieves. Uh, you've got uh, Rebel Wilson's character who's just a lazy house cat who just like you know, eats all the time and, you know, kills roaches for sport. Uh, you've got the railway cat who just, uh, I can't remember what his deal was, but, and then you've got the, um, uh, I, McCavity, uh, played by Idris Elba, who, mm. sidebar, that is the one bit of CG that I thought was really disturbing when he's completely naked. There's just something about, <laughs> the, there's something about the fact that he just looked like he was in a, like a tight-fitting Lycra suit that they just put a thin layer of cat fur on. Like, there was nothing feline about him below the neck, and that was kind of disturbing. But McCavity is the one who's like he represents sort of the devil and he's the he's the real magic in the film he's trying to kidnap the competition to take them out of the way so that he would be the only one who is going to be left so like well you might as well take me and I'll get this opportunity so there is there's a lot of going on in this story and a lot of it is woven into the lyrics of the songs so while you I understand the critique I just don't accept it 
when you've got, mm. you know, this character comes on screen and they're singing about him for 10 minutes and they move on to someone else. That doesn't make any sense to me. If you listen to the music, if you watch what's going on with the characters and what happens to a lot of these characters after the songs, which is they sort of much like, again, Willy Wonka, they get uh, kind of whisked away or kidnapped because they fall to their own uh, greed. Then, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of substance to this story. That would have been all well and good if I could understand it. Like I was listening to the lyrics, I was watching the songs that I didn't get it. And with, with your advantage is you listen to the audio commentary by the director, you read. No, the book, I, I, you know. I got this while I was watching it the first time. Well, um, I, the, the, smarter the, than I am. <laughs> so. the, the book, you know, when I read it later, it made it a little bit easier because I was uh, mm. the, the lyrics to the songs are essentially a lot of them are taken directly from the T.S. Eliot book. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of the, the addition of music and some, you know, probably bridging moments that Andrew Lloyd Webber added to make it a musical, but a lot of it's in the source material. So being able to go back and read it after, again, being very tired and watching this two-hour movie, I was like, oh, this, is, this makes a bit more sense. I got it on the first time, but I really got it on the second time reading the book and then listening to Hooper talk about it not so much that he explained what was going on thematically. A lot of what it was, was talking about the history and what it took to get this thing made. And this is one of the things that I stood up for when I made my video back in December called In Defense of Cats, <laughs> um, which I think has a whopping nine views. So, you know, <laughs> explains how, how interested people are in watching someone defend cats. Uh, this isn't a movie that was a cash grab. Uh, I could tell from watching it that the people who put it together, even if they didn't hit the mark as far as the popular audience was concerned, these people really cared about it. And listening to Hooper talk about the film, uh, he grew up you know, with cats. Uh, it was one of his dreams to always kind of make, you know, do his own version of the production. And uh, was it Francesca Hayward is the, mm -hmm. she plays Victoria, the main cat. Uh, this was her, her dream. She's a world-class uh, ballerina and she's mm -hmm. always wanted to do this particular production. Dame Judi Dench was supposed to be the in the original cast of Cats, but yeah. she like broke her ankle or something and fell off the stage, uh, so she wasn't able to do it. So Hooper talks about how it was kind of a, a homecoming moment for her to get to be in this film. So even though you've got these giant stars and you might say, oh, they're just doing it for a paycheck, there is real investment here. And I think it, you know, personally, I thought it came off of the screen. I didn't think anyone was phoning it in. I think they did put in effort and they put in a lot of talent. I just, again, if I think through a standard audience member uh, to a dumb, dumb like me, I, I just watched it. I, I, I didn't know what the hell they were singing about or talking about. You know, I, I just kept going, huh? What? You know, I, I sometimes had to even put on the subtitles to understand what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And, to an extent, it, you know, if I don't know what's going on with the characters and it's sort of like the same defense I hear with like the new Star Wars movie. Well, you got to see this cartoon show to understand why. <laughs> like, well, if I got to do all that, then why am I seeing the movie? You know, this, I, this I agree. I, I agree with that. And, and there's certain to, uh, you know, with the Marvel films, that's certainly true. Not that you need to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or read the comics, but you certainly have to have seen the previous, like, 15 movies to understand yeah. what's going Except on. they actually had an audience when they did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and that's true. I, you know, with Cats, let me just ask you this hypothetical question. Yeah. Same movie, 
take Tom Hooper's name off of it, yeah. put David Lynch's name on it. <laughs> is it in any way a better film or is it any way perhaps open you up to the idea that you're watching something that is challenging and needs to be really studied versus, oh, it's just more Hollywood crap that the guy who made the King's speech directed because he needed money. <laughs> I think if it was a David Lynch film, I'd say that was one of his failed experiments. Uh, well, I mean, he, that's, that's an know, honest answer. Yeah. I, uh, because, um, David Lynch has made some movies that I think aren't that great. Sometimes you can tell even the new season of Twin Peaks, I loved it, but there were some scenes where I'm just going, I'm sorry, but your crew, if you see the behind the scenes stuff, they're telling him to rush a scene. And he did like, there, there's a scene where some French woman is, you know, getting dressed and David Lynch is staring and smiling at her. And it literally goes on for eight minutes. I time. <laughs> It's like, this doesn't need to be in here. I get that you like a movie to take its time and to, to uh, maybe have us invest in a shot or understand why something's there. But I also know I've, I've been around a lot of people. I went to an art school, which don't, don't go to art school, by the way, folks. Hey, don't, wait, hold on a second. I'll stand up for art school here too, since we're defending cats, right? Yeah. I got a lot out of art school too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Go to art school as long as you also get a degree in something that can make you money. Um, fair, but fair. yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, the thing is, sometimes people put in weird shit for no particular reason just because it was a random thought of theirs and there's no sort of message or merit behind it. And sometimes Lynch would do that with Twin Peaks, I think he did that a lot with Inland Empire. So if he made this version of Cats, I'd just be like, yes, yeah, David Lynch, you just put in poor CGI and random musical numbers. And I, I, I'd feel like he'd be stuck in a Dune situation where like a lot of the project would be taken out of his hands. And he wouldn't have enough creative control. Um, that's, that's possible. But the yeah. other angle to that is you have people who think that Lynch can do no wrong and would be able to explain to you why those rush takes or that weird shit you didn't understand actually does have meaning and adds to the overall fabric of filmography. I mean, mm -hmm. the uh, film and film criticism and film viewing, they're all subjective mm -hmm. uh, things, right? So what I'm saying is not that David Lynch's cats would have done any better box office than yeah. Tom Hooper's cats, but from a critical standpoint, I'm looking at this, you know, 20%. Uh, it reminds me sort of, uh, it's almost exactly the same disparity between critic consensus and audience consensus. Mm -hmm. If you can believe these mm -hmm. tomato meter numbers, which, you know, yeah. I understand that's a whole other conversation. It's about the same 30 point disparity, even though those 30 points were much higher on the scale as with another film that I saw a few years ago that a lot of people hate that I absolutely loved mm. uh, the greatest showman, which is another mm -hmm. December musical that came mm. out. Um, I did not see that movie in the theater because Every critic I know went to go see it and they trashed it. And mm -hmm. they're like, it wasn't just me looking at the tomato meter and saying, oh, that's low. People I knew at the screening, they're like, man, it was terrible. Everyone was like hissing and booing and, you know, mm -hmm. no one knew what was going on. So I stayed away. I rented it when it came out on, you know, home video the next year. And I was like, I am almost embarrassed to be a film critic right now because I allowed myself to be swayed by the kind of group think I think this is a fantastic movie. And I went back mm -hmm. and I listened to a lot of the criticisms of it that I thought were sort of meta contextual uh, problems that a lot of the, you know, I'll call them regular theater going folks 
who I didn't listen to when this movie was out, greatest show I'm talking about, they mm-hmm. went and saw it. They loved it. And I, I kind of was like, oh, well, you're, you're the plebes. You know, I, my critic friends say it's, you know, trash, but, you know, the, the regular people just want to go to Hugh Jackman and oh, see yeah. a bunch of music yeah. and colors. They're like, no, no, it's great. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I watched it and I totally understood what those folks were talking about. And I yeah. understood why the critical community got you know kind of up in arms about it it's not historically accurate Mm -hmm. a lot of the people you know that i read or heard from they were complaining about the songs i'm like no that's just endemic to the form Mm -hmm. i actually heard Mm -hmm. someone complain like oh my god another song i'm like yes you're 10 minutes into a musical there's going to be another song (laughs) yeah yeah it's like when people say i hate wall-to-wall music musicals i'm like well it's called a (laughs) musical Yeah, so I, that my that that sidebar is over. I'm just saying I got flashbacks to the Greatest Showman, you know, thinking about cats coming out of this theater. Yeah. So I'm like, it's happened again. I just happen to have gone to see it in the theater this time. Yeah, I I can definitely understand that. And you know, there is a mob mentality when it comes to, uh, I think. Uh, not film criticism, but criticism in general. Like, if you don't agree mm. with the group, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's just kind of ridiculous. I, I like that. I actually really love the fact that you defend the film and you like the film. And there's no reason that you would be wrong at all because art is subjective. If you like a Michael Bay movie, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's you where know. I draw another line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? I worked for him personally. And trust me, I could draw a huge fucking line there. Made of cocaine, no doubt. Yes. In his suitcase. While he steps over an AD having a heart attack. Uh, uh, wait, let me, let me help you out with this one. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Yes. I've seen it. Uh, but no. <laughs> I'm just open about my experience with him now. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the Antichrist. Um, and, he, and even I am, am saying, you know what, if you like a Michael Bay movie, that's, that's fine. You know, uh, that doesn't make, I remember there's a, there was this, big moment when i was in film school where uh, you want to talk about snobby hipsters uh th- there was this one guy we we were in our aesthetics of cinema class and they were showing you know, all these kind of experimental films and the uh this one student in our class you know he's kind of like a regular guy but he wasn't like a dumb idiot bro or anything you know nice guy but you know he wasn't he didn't you know but he wasn't a hipster so and i know i don't mean to label people but yeah whatever fuck it um, shorthand it's fine <laughs> yeah it's you know it, in comedy you like to uh generalize things right um so he said you know i just don't like a lot of these movies i'm not really into experimental film and you know, I have, and you know, my opinion uh, counts just like everyone else's. And someone in the class mumbled right behind him where he could hear him. No, it doesn't. And then her friends around her laughed. You know, it's like, wow, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that, whatever. Um, <laughs> and because uh, really, she's being a bitch and she uh, and she's saying that and, and and demeaning someone's opinion because it doesn't agree with yours yeah like that's not i mean my show's called you'll probably agree because even if you don't agree tell me why 
you know? Mm. And if you do agree, that's great. But don't attack someone for their opinions on something. Uh, with cats, I mean, I feel like there's too much where you kind of need to know the backstory or have some kind of understanding of what it is. Because if you go in fresh, you're, it's kind of just mind-boggling visually. And then they're just throwing all this information at you. And you, you just don't understand what any of this information means. I'm like, who are these twins? They're jerks. Okay, I get that. But why, why are they talking about themselves? And I mean, I didn't know it was about redemption. I only knew it was about rebirth because someone told me. I'm like, oh, that was it. Okay. No, it's it's all the information is there, and you yeah. know, with uh, with Victoria, um, not Victoria, Jennifer Hudson's character. Yeah. Um, that was the whole thing. Was she used to be part of McCavity's gang, um, yeah. and she was basically found out uh, and kind of banned from the cool cat group, if you will. Uh, and so it was about. Victoria coming in and saying, you know, you guys, yeah, she made some mistakes, but that's no reason to, <laughs> she, she didn't yeah. like, I don't think she murdered anybody. Yeah. You know, maybe she did. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all, <laughs> all the answers are there. And I, I'm going to say something that is going to, I'm sorry, Mike, people are going to turn off this show right oh, after I say this. Um, I'm going to make a comparison. <laughs> <laughs> we love all of them. Yeah. Oh, and also, also a disclaimer, guys can be bitches too. Um, oh, they yes. can be. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will Trump. say, yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I wanted to say this comparison I'm going to make is not in terms of quality, but just in terms of rewatchability and the need for it. Mm. Um, you know, I have seen the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey more than half a dozen times in my life. I, you know, I've seen it a few times in the last couple of years because the music box has had those gorgeous 70 millimeter presentations. But I feel like every time I watch that movie, I come away with something because it's not necessarily the most accessible uh, film. You can look at it on mm-hmm. one level and you can look at it on a completely different level. There's probably a fourth or a fifth level that you didn't even consider. And that's where I'm at with that movie. Every time I come away, I have a new bit of information or a new interpretation or something that yeah. I've read. I'm like, oh, that's what he was talking about. That movie uh, just turned 50 years old a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Now with Cats, again, this is not a comparison of quality, but it does, I think because it's a musical, I think it's because it's got a lot of these characters with the complicated histories, which we do get a bit of, you know, yeah. in the songs, it almost demands that you go back and rewatch it. You know, hmm. once you, once you've gone from A to Z and you're like, man, this movie's fucking weird. I wonder what it's about. Go back and watch <laughs> it again. Yeah, yeah. And now that you know that Jennifer Hudson's character is going to be the chosen one, maybe you focus in a bit more on her song or her story or the ways the other cats are singing about her, watch their body language around her. Cause in addition to the lyrics, a lot of the information is conveyed through the dance. Um, something that, uh, that Tom Hooper was talking about on his commentary that I hadn't really picked up on in terms of appreciating was the uh, Taylor Swift's number when she's singing about McCavity and she's yeah. sprinkling uh, catnip all over the room and the effect <laughs> that that was having on the cats and what it meant to the story. I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. I got it on one level. I got the information I needed to get in out of the scene, but having an extra bit of context made it a richer experience when I was watching it again. So that, that's all I'll say. And, and again, disclaimer, Cats is nowhere near as good as 2001 in the Space Odyssey. Yeah. I don't think that's that bad of a thing to say, to say check out the movie again and, you know, see if you get something different out of it. 
I'd be probably if I did check it out again, I probably would get something different out of it. But again, aesthetically, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like if a movie looks like crap, you know, <laughs> and it's shot poorly, you know, and well, you're again, not emotionally invested in the story, maybe you could get in emotionally invested in it again. But I don't see myself getting invested if it's free on Netflix or something like that. I'll check it out. Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't pay money again to see it, but certainly if it's free, I'd, I'd check it out again just to kind of see some of these points. Uh, I will say that uh, Jennifer Hudson's number is spectacular. You kind of do feel bad for her. Uh, I couldn't help but laugh though. Like, you know, when she's walking back into the stage area slash warehouse, whatever, everything's a nightmare in that mm-hmm. movie. And she, and, and, and like the cats are getting up to her face and going, yeah. it's like, why do you hate her? What? You know, that, that was the problem. A lot of time I just watched and I'm like, why is this happening? And the information is just shoved at you so much. But I will say to your point, I think it does have some sort of thing to do with people's distaste for musical. And I'm not going to lie. I'm open to musicals. You know, because I'm a critic, I kind of have to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. But instinctually, I'm like, oh, God, this better be a good song. Like, I was watching Hamilton, and if I didn't have someone explaining what was going on, <laughs> you know, while I was watching it, I probably would have been like, wait, who, wait, what? He's, huh? What? <laughs> so, <laughs> you are right to that point. Well, and, you know, I'll... I got to confess, I'm, yeah. and I can't remember exactly when it was. I don't want to say it was La La Land, but just for yeah. shorthand, we'll say sure. Uh, I yeah. wasn't into musicals really yeah. until the last handful of years. And now it's not mm. that I'm actively seeking them out. It's that when one comes across my path, I'm no longer like, eh, I just rather go watch some sci-fi. Uh, there's some great, you know, musicals out there. And mm. it's, it's a form that doesn't quite have the resonance that it, you know, used to. And, and I understand that. Um, I want to touch on something you said just a second ago. Is yeah. That, yeah, I understand the CG criticism, but I don't think this movie was poorly shot, um, you know, or, or directed. I think you can tell there was a lot of care and kind of inventiveness in the shots. Uh, also, you know, talking about the, the set design and really thinking about the compositions and how they were playing with scale. There's a lot of cool stuff going on here. And I get it might be hard to extract the frustration of watching a movie that you don't really get or care for or can't connect to. Mm. But you know, this thing is not, it, it's also directed by, and I know some people don't cotton to this or carry much weight, but the guy, Tom Hooper's won an Academy award. Yep. And he's gone on to make really big movies with really talented, you know, studio people. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he made this again for the asylum. Yeah. Uh, he, it, the, the most bizarre thing is that he's this Oscar winning filmmaker you know he made the king's speech it didn't deserve to win but it did uh what was it up against that year i i I really like that (laughs) work that was the social network year yeah wow um yeah i loved both of those movies and it was one of those things where i was happy that the king's speech won but that's just because i loved it i would have been happy if the Hmm. social network had won too yeah um but yeah i'd forgotten that those man i feel old now no did that why is that old now? I don't know. <laughs> um, was it uh, was that 2010? I don't remember. Uh, it might have been actually. Yeah, it was. God damn, it was 10 years ago. Now I feel old. Uh, yep, 2010. <laughs> God damn it. 
Um, You're welcome. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that – I mean, and Tom Hooper made John Adams, which is fantastic. Uh, absolutely spectacular. And I feel like because he got all those Oscars and all that stuff, he kind of wound up like who, – who was the guy who made the deer hunter who essentially went – crazy and you know uh, God oh, i always forget his name yeah michael chimino that was it yes. i didn't even google it i just remember it i'm <laughs> very good yeah uh but <laughs> yeah i remember michael chimino he won that oscar for deer hunter which you know is phenomenal in my opinion and after that he did heaven's gate that's right right that's the right one yeah and uh it, that was him sort of becoming power hungry in a way where he wanted to make these elaborate uh, dance piece numbers in this barn and he would individually move each extra and he bankrupted the studio. And I feel like with cats, Tom Hooper felt like he was on top of the world. He could make whatever he wanted. So he came up with this bizarre aesthetic that just rips you out of the movie you know, like if I'm feeling like kind of scared when I'm watching. So I think this came out, the trailer for this came out around the time the It Chapter 2 trailer came out. <laughs> and yeah. some critic wrote like, this is scarier than It Chapter 2. And it was. <laughs> well, but that's that's the thing. A, we're talking about two different things here. One yeah. is the, the initial trailer, which again, I have a vague memory of. And I remember it did look bad, but I feel like it was also the victim of internet pylon. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, terrifying or, you know, that's, that's like, this is the scariest thing I've seen all year. You know, that kind of a thing. It's easy to put that out there and have people glom onto it. And it also kind of taints the water. Mm. You can't go into it and just say, yeah, it's a, I think it looks all right. Or I don't think it looks that bad. I think when the retouched up version hit theater, which is, uh, I think the version that I saw, I was expecting the worst. Um, mm. it, again, we went to this thing expecting to be bowled over with laughter and just like pointing and <laughs> screaming at the screen. It wasn't. I was like, I got into it. I understood what they were doing. And honestly, it wasn't any more, it was bizarre, but it didn't look any more unnatural than say the, the Navi in, Ava, in Avatar, hmm. where you've got these kind of giant cat people walking around with somewhat human faces, but they have these kind of feline features and they're all nine feet tall. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's something that looks alien. And as imperfect as it is, I'm like, at least it doesn't look like every other CGI creature in the last you know decade of movies where they get you know a couple of different body types or you know, for their alien creatures and just slap mm. an eyeball in a different place. Yeah. Um, it's funny when, when that trailer came out, uh, I didn't read the responses at the time. So I kind of had the same responses. Everyone like, what the fuck is that? You know? Uh, so, but it, but you're right in terms of the mob mentality where, you know, as we were saying, again, if you don't agree with everyone that they think there's something wrong with you. And, but just with me, if, if, if I'm being turned off by the overall visuals of the picture, Mm -hmm. and i'm not invested like in the in the singing numbers like if you think of the sound of music uh, that movie's kind of ridiculous because you know <laughs> these people are being hunted by nazis yet they're singing <laughs> and dancing if you yeah. think about west side story these are supposed to be tough street gang guys and you know they're going around dancing around <laughs> like a bunch of bitches no i didn't but, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you brought it back full circle. We have equality now. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, you still, you like the songs. So you, you go with it and you mm-hmm. go with the story and you listen to what they're saying. For me personally, I'm not saying objectively for the movie, but for me personally, I just didn't like the songs. Yeah. Except for memories. Everything else, I'm just like, shut up. Okay, you're a magician. Do your fucking magic trick and bring in Judy Dench, who has gotten old and can't sing anymore on the screen. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, I, I understand. Yeah. But <laughs> you'll probably agree. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think, uh, but I do love the fact that you like and defend this movie, and you should, and more power to you for that, because... You know what? I, I, I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, but, but it looks weird. Like, yeah, we know. Everyone said that. You know, try to listen to the other side, folks. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and I appreciate you uh, giving me this, this opportunity and this, and this fair hearing. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy position to be in. Yeah, it's film criticism, not film debate. Uh, I think the term criticism gets, you know, kind of construed where people think, oh, you're a critic. You're going to find something you hate with a picture and slam it. Like, Mm. no, usually I look over stuff. If I wanted to slam a movie for film criticism, I'd hate The Dark Knight Rises because it is uh, a plot hole earthquake. (laughs) Uh, But I still like it. I think that was the original working title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. That's it's just talking about uh, film criticism for a, for a minute. Mm. What a weird profession this is. I'll call it a profession, even though there's no money involved for a lot of this. And um, no theaters. <laughs> that's true. Uh, thank God for streaming, though. I don't know what we would have done if this had hit <laughs> ten or twenty years ago. Oh God. But um, no, I will say that I've been doing this for about t- uh, ten years. Yeah. And or 11 almost. And one of the things I have had to combat in my quote unquote journey is that impulse to just hate on things and trash things. And, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily the, the mob think, but I'm, I'm guilty, especially in some of my earlier writing of just latching onto something and not letting it go without giving it more of an objective or at least a, a well-meaning <laughs> yeah. Uh, viewing. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, it's something that we combat all the time, or at least we should be, if we're trying to be honest with ourselves. And also mm-hmm. I'd say more importantly, the people who look to us for our opinions. I, I did, you know, and I think we do the same thing with movies that we like as well. Like if everyone likes it, you have to like it too. Mm-hmm. I remember with marriage story, I gave it four stars. Although I use Guinnesses now, cause I'm creative uh, <laughs> to, uh, uh, to rate the movie. And now I look back, I'm like, that was not a four-star film. I don't think that was... I just thought, yeah, this was just kind of the director talking about his own life, calling himself a genius, stroking his own ego. And, and like outside of that one scene, it was just kind of like every critic was like, if you don't like it, then you don't like film. And I don't know if you've ever had a critic or a filmmaker or anyone in the arts tell you that exact quote, but I've had people say that. I remember... Going back to film school, I didn't like No Country for Old Men. I still Ooh. don't like it. Oh, yeah. Them's fighting words. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but it's objective. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We all have our, our rights or opinion, but I'm objectively correct. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. That, but that, <laughs> the point is everybody acts like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I get that. And, and a couple of things, um, picking up on what you had said, um, giving it four stars, you know, yeah. after you've seen it, that's perfectly legit because you might have actually, it, it could be that you felt like you were succumbing to some kind of pressure, or it could yeah. just be that at the time you watch and you're like, this is a four star movie. But then with eh. distance, you know, several months <laughs> yeah. later, you can be like, that wasn't a four star movie. I, I was just was caught up in the impact of the film or maybe just influenced in a positive way by all the good vibes other people were giving it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's legitimate too. I mean, people have the right to go back and, and rewatch movies and say, Oh, I was completely wrong about that. Or I was right about that from my own perspective, but maybe I shouldn't have been as glowing or, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and yeah, the, the group think is something that we gotta, we gotta fight against. Yeah. I, I just remember even after I saw it, I gave it four stars because I didn't love it, but I couldn't find something I didn't like about it because I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the director likes the smell of his own farts. <laughs> and that's uh, what I realized uh, after well, I saw did, it. Well, here's the question. Is that, again, is that metacontextual or is that something that you got from the movie? I think I kind of got it from the movie where the, the, uh, it just felt kind of smug, you know, but I couldn't understand why. Well, I, I'd have to watch um, Marriage Story, yeah. like give it a sit down again to see if I'm picking up on it. Noah Baumbach is a director that I, I love. Yeah. Um, he does kind of make, not the same movie over and over, but movies with similar themes. And he does seem to be at the center of it, which on the one hand, you could call smug. On the other, you yeah. can look at filmmaking and storytelling in general. And what does everybody say about filmmaking? Yeah. You, write, you write what you know, you make mm -hmm. what you know, you come at it from a perspective that you know so well that you can relate it to people who can also say, oh yeah, I've been there. I've been that guy or that's an aspect of my personality that I recognize. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how successful uh, he was in, you know, marriage story of covering that up, but I can say that he got some great performances out of actors and mm -hmm. that, that really, that movie is a play. It's not, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a traditional film by any it's means. It's an Aaron Sorkin film. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i i mean he essentially just writes plays but i'm fine with it and you know what i'm okay with the director tackling the same thing multiple times as long as it's fresh enough or it doesn't get stale mm -hmm. like tim burton always tackled the same thing about the sad loner but you know eventually that got stale there wasn't much more to say and uh, then then he made dumbo Shit, then he made Dumbo. Uh, hey, I haven't worked with Batman in years. You guys ready? I finally got Michael Keaton. Guess what it's for? What is it? Is it Batman? No, it's Dumbo. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, God. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, I, you know, it wasn't until someone pointed it out that it made me realize what I didn't like about the movie. Everyone kept calling Adam Driver's character a genius. So I'm like, oh, he's calling himself a fucking genius. And um, yeah, well, I mean, that's the, hmm. it, it, we, we might just need to talk about Noah Baumbach in a separate show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think people calling people having a writing a character that's yeah. loosely based on yourself being in a movie and having other people constantly refer to him as a genius could be a sign of narcissism. It could also be the way that Noah Baumbach experiences being Noah Baumbach 
in the real world because he does have a following. Mm-hmm. He does have a lot of accolades. And he, I think he got he or other people got nominated for that film. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he goes around having people constantly heap praise on him and calling him a genius. Yeah. So again, if we're writing what we know, he's going to put a character in the film that is constantly praised by other people and he gets an ego off of it. And that ego is one of the things that ends up destroying his relationship. Hence mm. marriage story. Hence the story that I think inspired marriage story. Hmm. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Cause it, it, the thing is, uh, I also probably didn't like the quote unquote smugness of it because of film school. This is like therapy <laughs> now. Uh, because <laughs> what I said, I didn't like no country for old men to a fellow film student like a complete dick he just went well it's just because you don't like slower moving films like oh Oh. now you can just judge everything that i that i view through a very limited lens okay fine so that it's it's just like and he just kind of reminded me of that kind of persona that i didn't like so it kind of maybe it's like it's like my distaste for ferris bueller's day off i always call it ferris bueller's white privilege and (laughs) The, the thing was, I never liked that movie because it just reminded me of, like, the neighborhood and the people I grew up with. And I think all of our distaste for certain characters, certain movies stem from personal experience. And that's why film is subjective in a way. Sure. And I think, you know, this this is the second story I think you've talked about in this episode from a film school slash art school yeah. experience. And I got to say, it reminds me of when I was in high school and I took a film class, we would watch movies and we'd have these like long discussions that would last for a class or two after we'd finished watching the movie about the film. And it was really the teacher explaining stuff to us, but also getting our feedback. And Mm. it was sort of the budding, the seeds of film criticism. Uh, And I think that's, if you're going to have a film school, I would say that's kind of the way to approach like a film criticism or film yeah. history thing instead of allowing comments like oh it's just you don't like film eh, no let's let's unpack yeah. it why didn't you like the film no one can just say about anybody else oh it's because you're saying this because you don't like x without knowing that person yeah i could say like if you have an irrational film uh, fear of jelly beans and you go see charlie and the chocolate factory you could say hey that movie i might infer oh well it's because you have a problem with candy <laughs> but i can't <laughs> i can't i can't just objectively say oh you don't like it because you don't know what you're talking about yeah or you don't like musicals because they sing right. in it or yeah uh but yeah <laughs> i think that's with with cats you know to bring it full circle Someone could say, oh, it's because, you know, you don't like cats because you don't like cats or you don't like musicals or, oh, you, you like the movie because you want to be contrarian or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's what a lot of people do. Like a lot of people joke that YouTube could be the contrarian Olympics, you know, where <laughs> um, if, if you watch something and you hate it and everyone else loves it, people are going to love your video. And I've, I've noticed stuff like that sometimes it's it, it, sometimes that's true i mean i'll yeah. again i'll point to the fact that i think i have nine views on my pro cats video um but i'll also well, say there's that, that has nothing to do with the content it's there's a lot of technical stuff relating to views that it's very difficult oh sure I'm, I'm, I'm being partially uh facetious or catsetious um but i will say also the thing that i think people get wrong is yeah there's a certain segment of people who get off on being the contrarian especially if they've built an audience around it but for for people who say have been at this a long time and maybe don't have much of an audience 
being a contrarian can be a very lonely thing because you're being yeah. honest. You're often going against the group think. And it's not like, I, you know, my, the co mod the co sign on my website is the movie reviews from the last guy anyone asks. Yeah. That's because I often come up against the popular opinion, a lot of stuff. And it's not because I wear it as a badge of honor. It's kind of tongue in cheek. It's kind of cold and lonely out here. I'm like, sometimes yeah. I'm wondering what am I not getting that everyone else is. And sometimes I find out the answer and that's, part of my film education. <laughs> and well, you know what? When you explain your point of view, I usually like it. I agree with it. And I, I understand it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a different point of view on something. I actually just got the book on uh, Cuckoo's Nest, by the way. And Is it a new it, one? No, the, the, you know, the Ken Kenzie book. One oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was talking about the making of the movie, but okay. No, so, no. Uh, oh. It, I don't think it would work for screen if you did it just like the book. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I like the fact that you, you didn't like it and you had a legitimate reason for it. So uh, people, if you don't like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter because I, whenever I, I have a review and I, I wrote this whole article about why I liked The Last of Us Part Two, which is getting lambasted by fans on the internet. And I actually very respectfully said, hey, I agreed with, with everybody when I read the leaks for that game and what happened in the plot, which was, it was advantageous to say the least when people found out what happened in the plot early on before the game came out. And once I played it, I understood why I liked it. Of course, nobody read the article. They just posted memes and, you know, <laughs> called me names and stuff like that. So uh. there, there's a civility in film critique that is, that is lacking so, you know, if people give you shit for not liking or, or for liking cats, well, that's just because they don't want to listen and listen is something that we should do, uh, I think, as a as a country and yeah. as artists. Uh, so how about that? That was a very <laughs> deep conversation, more so than about cats, because because, yeah, I was expecting this to be like a, you know, like a yuck, yuck. Oh, that was weird. That was stupid sort of thing. And instead, we had a very subtextual conversation. I love it, man. Why this we're is... officially critics and you people are not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Mike missed the entire point. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been great, man. I, I really appreciate these these conversations. Yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. So anyways, uh, I guess that's all we can say about cats. Uh, Ian Simmons likes it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm part of the, of, of the uh, torch lighting group. Uh, so, you know, watch out for your cats. I'm coming for them. Uh, nah, that, that, no, I'm kidding. Ew. Yeah. What the hell did I even mean? No, I would say if you want, you can take mine. I, my house would smell better. Yeah, the cat shit smells really like bad. Like dog shit isn't as bad. All right, that's why are we talking about this? I have ADD. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming on, Ian. Check out his material, kickseat.com. Uh, can't wait to uh, talk to you again about our next thing. I think uh, I'm uh, coming on your show to talk about Inception. It's been 10 years since Inception came out. 10 years, yeah. That was in the Oscars that year as well. Oh, uh, boy. 
God. And, and this will be, that'll be, uh, not to give it away, because I haven't watched it in 10 years. I'll be watching it again Whoa. this weekend. Wow. I'll be watching it for this weekend for our, for our chat. That is a movie I really did not respond to. So, yeah. again, I'm hoping a second watch with maybe a little bit more knowledge and you know film appreciation on my belt, I'll be able to latch into what's going on. Um, and if not, it'll be a really robust conversation. Because um, yeah. I, I don't know if I've gotten your full feelings on Inception. Can you preview for me? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Exposition? Uh, 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 no, hi, sorry, uh, your high-level thoughts on it, like your, uh, your point of view. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I, All right, got, that's... I thought it was one of Nolan's weaker films. Oh, interesting. Okay. Too many scenes of people explaining what was happening instead of just letting me be absorbed in the concept. This will be interesting because most of the people I know who talk about Inception talk about it, you know, very glowingly and, you know, with this kind of a, a reverence. So to find that you're a bit more on the uh, the even keel, uh, it'll be cool to find out where we kind of come to on this one. Yeah, it's one of those movies where everyone had a strong opinion. I'm just like, eh, you know, <laughs> that was it, you know. Yeah. I, I feel like Tenant. well, if it wasn't coming out now officially a year from now, uh, yeah. Oh, well, we did have that conversation. Uh, yeah. And I was right above everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, you, I said theaters aren't going to open for like a year and a half from now. And people were like, it'll probably come back August, September. <laughs> well, but in fairness, because yeah. I, I was one of the optimists. I mean, a lot of that relies on information that's on the ground, um, yeah. which is changing every day, particularly in regards to people's <laughs> behaviors as far as like, how long do you guys want this to go on? You know, just uh, follow, <laughs> follow a few rules and, you know, don't worry about it and we'll get through this. But again, I guess, yeah, year and a half. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, America. <laughs> thanks for coming on being i why, why are i pausing your name i don't know i'm tired it's, it's still me no uh, <laughs> where am i <laughs> you're 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 ascending to uh the mcgaffin took me heaven's whatever the Mc, fuck it, idris elba took me <laughs> it's mccavity mccavity uh, you're ascending to the heaven side layer yeah um anyway <laughs> <laughs> Man, Idris Elba's still hot even as a cat, you know. Especially under all that fur. Does that does that mean I'm gay or straight? I don't know. Figure it out for yourselves. <laughs> it makes you buy a mees. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, cats. It's a movie that maybe you should check out again. I will when it's free. Um. Having said that, you'll probably agree. You could check us out at ypareviews.com. Thank you so much again, Ian. Thank you, sir. A new day has begun.